0: Let us begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you for for bringing us together to share another segment of Matthew's Gospel. Help us to open our minds and our hearts to what it is you want us to hear and get out of this. Um, What is said up here is not as important. It's only the vehicle. So help us to open our minds and our hearts. We ask your blessing in our efforts today and as we go forward, particularly during this season of Lent. So we thank you for this time together and we thank you and praise you in all things. In Jesus' name. Amen. This section of Matthew's Gospel is entitled uh, Jesus and his Disciples on the Way to Jerusalem. At least that's the way it is shown here in this book. In some others it might say, on the road to Jerusalem. Well, the thing is, when you read that, uh, you often think, well, why would he be going to Jerusalem and what's so important about that? Well, what's intended here is not that he hasn't been there, after all, he's been teaching now and preaching for almost three years. He's been to Jerusalem many times before. Uh, but in his quest to fulfill his mission of salvation of all mankind, he has to head towards Jerusalem because this is where all of the prophets were killed, one way or the other by their own people because their own people in the Old Testament didn't like what the prophets had to say. And the same is hold true for Jesus. Most of the rulers didn't like what he had to say because it threatened them, their job, and they looked upon it as being <clears throat> against the Torah. The rules and regulations uh, Jerusalem, uh, Judea, uh, Judaism. Excuse me. And that's that's somewhat understandable because they have lived a life of obeying rules and regulations rather than obeying the teachings of Moses or the teachings of God through Moses. They translated them. <clears throat> And the idea came early in in the process of Judaism that by obeying the laws, you were fulfilling what God wanted, and therefore you were honoring God. Well, to some degree that's true, but unfortunately, obeying laws for the sake of obeying the laws is not doing anybody any good, really. And that is not what Jesus was trying to teach. He was trying to teach people that these are guidelines, but like he says in one of the passages for today, the Sabbath was made for mankind, not mankind for the Sabbath. In other words, there are times when other things will take priority that is really classified under love of neighbor. That love of neighbor and love of family uh, takes priority at times over uh, ob- our obligations. I remember one time I was <clears throat> teaching the same uh, subject. And I said, you know... Supposing you were backing out of your driveway and you were going to the last Mass on Sunday and you were trying to get there on time and one of your neighbors runs out and says, help me, help me, I need such and such uh, of help for my family. And what should you do? Say, oh no, I've got to go to church on Sunday, you know. No, the idea is you have an obligation To help. And in one room, one woman raises her hand, she says, But you still have to go to church. (laughs) Uh, You know, she missed the point. What our subject is today is along the same lines. Think of it as Jesus is on a quest, Jesus is on a mission. And that is often called a road to Jerusalem. He's been there many times before, but this time will be the last time. This time he is headed towards his final destiny or the end of his mission here on earth as a human being. But what I'd like you to do is to think about this as a road in a way. I have often said, That all of the things that God has given you, your very life, and all of your abilities, is something that God has given you. I'm going to put it up here, and I'm sorry, I hope you people can see this. Think of it as a road, okay? And that road sort of begins with your birth, whether it be baptism or conversion uh, in some way or form, but where you accept Christ as Lord and Savior and want to work towards him. So think about this as as a road and this is your mission. This is your relationship with Christ. Okay, But it can go downhill from there. <clears throat> okay. And this, unfortunately, is hell and damnation. We get into this part of the road through indifference. or neglect, downright evil, etc., cetera, et cetera. But you get the point, I'm sure. Here is always some form of love. What we're trying to really demonstrate here is that uh, this is a relationship. God through Jesus Christ. And you are or should want to be on this road, heading in this direction. Remember, I've often said before that everything that you have, your life, your abilities, etc., are given to you by God. What you do with them is your gift back to God. All right? Now, if through indifference or neglect or downright evil, meaning that you don't care and you're going to do things your way, that's going to lead you only in one direction. Christ has given us all of the things to understand this particular setup through the gospel, through the church, So there is no excuse. You cannot say, well, I was never told, particularly if you're in this area here. Does that help you understand a little about what we're trying to say today? Anybody have any questions on that? Yes, it takes a commitment, you're right, Bob. Uh, but all relationships take a commitment. All right? Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: or only on Friday, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But yes, you're right. Commitment would go along with that. Dick, did you have a question? I
1: have a comment. one part that bothers me on that is ignorance. How does that fit in?
0: Well, uh, that's sort of straddling, you might say, the fence. Ignorance is there's no excuse for ignorance in today's society. It's, it's not
1: either. In this
0: not well, but now to, let's let's change Let's change that a little bit. Excuse me. Instead of saying,
1: Yeah,
0: let's let's do away with it. If, if do you mind, if we do away with it, can you hear me all right?
1: You can't, you can't turn it down.
0: No. Unfortunately.
1: that side Well, unfortunately. <laughs> Which side of the road are you on now?
0: <laughs> Ignorance, <clears throat> if it is lack of the ability to get the information, then that's excusable. In other words, very primitive societies, for example or people at the time of Christ. You could not blame all of the average people because the majority of them couldn't read or write and didn't have the ability to obtain the information. But we today have no excuse, particularly in modern countries and societies. Yes? I have to throw in
1: their special needs.
0: Well, that's true, that's true. Uh, Special needs uh, people, uh, particularly children, don't have the ability always to absorb and understand. But they do still know right from wrong. Uh, yes, you're right sometimes. So there are exceptions. Obviously, there's exceptions to everything. Um, but in, for the majority of people, this would still apply, all right, along with the word commitment. yeah, Because relationships take a commitment. That's different degrees for different types of relationships, but nevertheless, the word commitment still applies. What we're trying to do here is see that Jesus is at this point here, In his quest, remember, he's a human being, but he's down here at this point facing the end. And his end, his mission, is his passion, death, and resurrection. Remember, that is the the ultimate reason for his being here. Not only his uh, teachings, his way of life, and uh, setting up the church, but it is the whole idea of, this is the ultimate uh, objective of his mission, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection. But we all have, we are all have a relationship with Christ, and we all have a part or a role to play in his plan of salvation and how we handle that is sort of demonstrated right here. A lot of people will just say, yeah, I'm not interested. I've had people say, well, that's okay, but I don't want to get too involved in all that. It's too much trouble. Uh, Neglect and downright evil. That's you deliberately turning away from this road and your responsibilities. Now, in our, in our passages today, chapter 16 on, Christ says, who do people say that I am? And the apostles offer a variety of answers. But then he says to his apostles, and he's saying to us, who do you say that I am? In other words, who am I for you? And that is a question that is directed to each one of us because we have to understand where do we stand on this road? So we have to understand within our own mind and our heart who is Christ for us? And then... Are we professing that through our speech and our actions? Are we really carrying out that role of who he is for us? And it goes on then in his own area, and I'm going to read this because I'm trying to make a point here. He says, but who do you say that I am? Uh, Chapter 16, verse uh, 13. But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter says in reply, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him in reply, blessed are you, Simon son of Jonah. Remember, this is where he's changing Peter's name. For flesh and blood has not revealed this, what Peter just said to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter. And upon this rock, Peter translated back into the Aramaic means rock, or as we might say today, rocky.
1: Uh,
0: and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is the statement and the passage in the gospel or the New Testament on which the Catholic Church bases its origin and its authority. So this is a very important statement. Because there is more to it than just One entrance, okay. Uh, there's a lot more to it than should be or designated by key. Okay. And the key, of course, he's not actually holding out a set of keys. He's talking about the authority, the origin, the basis, and the authority for the church. This is part of his quest. Yes, Katie? Yes. yes. No, Jonah is his father. It was a very common name in those days. Yeah. Uh, and the w- word Bar-Jonah means son of. Yeah. Sure. The idea, uh, yes. Can you also sort of give the authority
1: to the Pope here as Pope that he gives
0: the authority for teaching? Yes, yes. Uh, as we know later on, uh, particularly after the resurrection, he tells Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. That's kind of putting Peter in as leader of the apostles. And that is where the interpretation is that Peter is the first pope. Um, And the apostles were the first bishops. And the power of succession succession, is handed down through the bishops, not through the priests, but through the bishops. But it's very important, I think, that you all kind of remember this because this is the place, this is the actual quotation in the Bible that gives the uh, authority to the church, the Catholic church.
1: Pardon my ignorance, is it, is it found in the other
0: three doctors? Uh To some degree. Actually, uh, part of that, is also found in a another part of the, the it's, where am I here? I've lost my place. I wrote it down. Well, I wrote it down, but I can't. <laughs> Been there, done that, but can't remember, you know. Yeah. All right. Now, also, think about uh, Matthew's gospel is, in a way, following this whole idea of a of route or road to Jerusalem. <clears throat> and each of the passages have a connection to this quite often when we read uh, the Gospels uh, the passages are taken out of context and they lose that relationship to what is going on in the overall scene. Matthew was trying to show here the path that Jesus is leading and that we all are to lead. So what is going on here is the next passage is the first prediction of the Passion. <clears throat> it says, uh, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. Not the average person because they had to follow the scribes, the Pharisees, et cetera, uh, because that was not only the culture and the way things were done, but because they were not educated well enough to understand the explanations of the Torah and the laws and so forth and so on for themselves. So we had the first prediction of the passion. And there are three predictions within this uh, four uh, chapters here. Then he goes on to say they talk about the condition of discipleship. If we are following Christ then we have to understand that there are going to be obstacles and we will be required to do things that we really would rather not but if we have to we have to okay so it goes on to the conditions of this discipleship it says here then jesus said to his disciples whoever wishes to come after me in other words come after him on this road where he is going even though it leads to the cross Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. A very difficult thing to do, but the end result has a great deal for it going for itself. For whoever wishes to save his life, in other words, to take the easy way out, will lose it. That is this road here. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, that's important also because as we get a little further on when we talk about the sins of mankind, I want you to remember that. Whoever loses his life for my sake, that is for the sake of the Gospels, for the sake of the church, for the sake of the name of Jesus, whatever, whatever, he will automatically be considered a martyr and go straight to heaven. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forget his life? Or what can one give, what could one individual give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay everyone according to his conduct. And then I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Of course, he's referring there to his resurrection. Now, you might say, and the apostles probably were thinking, gee, that's pretty strong language. And then Jesus does something quite unusual, uh, but I think understandable if we think about it in this context of telling the apostles that they have to deny themselves and probably everything that they've had or have and follow Christ along to the, cross as well. So what does he do? He takes them up on a high mountain and is transfigured before him. It's like saying, if the apostles were saying to themselves, well, gee, we got to do this and this. What's in it for us? What do we get out of this? What does it mean? And this is what it means. The transfiguration. God is showing the apostles, who Christ really is. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and his brother, you know, James and John, is James's brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as uh, light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared uh, to them, conversing with him. And then Peter said to Jesus and replied, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a cloud cast a shadow over them. And then the cloud from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. A very important point. Listen to him. In other words, listen and obey. When his disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid, but Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, do not be afraid. And when the apostles raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus. Now let me go back for a minute. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Who else in the Bible had his face shine like the sun moses remember that and of course as we've said all along jesus was really was fulfilling the role of moses and so he is also experiencing the same thing because he faced the face of god Right. Then there's a few other passages that go along with um, the coming of Elijah, which we already talked about when we discussed John the Baptist. And that's what he is saying here. It says then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. And then there's a few uh, healings. What those healings have to do with showing again the apostles who Jesus was at the time. Then there's another prediction of the Passion. As they were gathering in Galilee, now they're not yet towards Jerusalem, but that location thing is not that important. The end of the road, uh, in the end of his mission and responsibilities and reason for being on earth is what we're talking about. It says, as they, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is to be handed over to men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. And the apostles were overwhelmed with grief. Well, that's understandable. <coughs> Then, on this quest, we have, again, uh, who is the greatest in heaven? See, along the way, Jesus has to kind of constantly remind the apostles that there is something far greater out there than what they are experiencing now. This whole idea of traveling around as a band of preachers uh, is not easy, as we would all you can imagine uh, they had virtually nothing uh, outside of whatever was given to them by you know, people helping along the way. So Jesus is saying that the greatest in heaven, so at the time the disciples approached Jesus and said, who is, <clears throat> who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child over, placing it in their midst and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives a child such as this in my name receives me. Remember, children at this time period of Christ were sort of equal to slaves. They had no authority. They had no responsibility. They were only given value because they were to carry on, particularly the first son, they were to carry on the name and the family responsibility, but they in themselves were virtually nothing. But Jesus says in some respects, that is the way we have to become. In other words, humility. Humility is probably the most important virtue in getting us to heaven than all of the others. He goes on to teach the parable of the lost sheep, how the shepherd will do anything and everything to try to bring back his lost sheep. And Jesus is trying to get the apostles to see that he is like the shepherd who will do virtually anything to bring us away from this area here and set us back on the road. This is what is called the road of justification. Have you heard that statement or that word before? Have you understood what it is? Okay. This is the road to justification. All right. When, if you read Paul's letters, particularly uh, his letters to the Romans, the word justification comes up many, many times. It was also the basis for uh, or a good portion of the, the basis for the reformation back in the 15th and 16th century uh, of the understanding of justification. All right. But the idea of justification is being on the right road to Christ. Justification leads into sanctification. They are not the same but they are connected. The ultimate objective of justification is to get us down here in sanctification. Uh, Anybody have a problem? Uh, Does that make it a little easier to understand what justification is all about? We have a number of other
1: uh,
0: teachings in here, but they are all under the description of what is discipleship and the meaning of it. uh, One of these here, I think, is important. It says, someone approached him, meaning someone approached Jesus, and said, teacher, what good must I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus answered, uh, Why do you ask me and call me good? There is only one who is good. And good, of course, in the eyes of the Jewish people at that time, uh, was centered on God alone. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And the man says, Well, which ones? And Jesus replied, You shall kill and you shall not. In other words, Well, that's what it says here. Uh, You shall... And Jesus lists virtually all of them. Okay. The young man said to him, All of these I have observed. So what do I still lack? You see, there again, the young man was following laws and fulfilling the laws. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come back and follow me. And when the young man heard this statement, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. <laughs> well, there again, you often have to choose between earthly possessions, or power, or position, whatever, versus what you're going to get at the end of this road. And that can be very difficult. Uh, with just this morning I was talking uh, to someone about all of these people who uh, are billionaires and what they could do with all of that money, and what they are doing, some of them are doing very good things, Uh, Bill Gates, uh, Zuckerberg, and so forth, I don't particularly care for some of the things that they're doing, but you have to at least recognize that they are trying to do a lot of good, and that's important, but then there's others uh, who are not, and you often wonder, what's going to happen when they get to that uh, pearly gates thing yeah
1: yeah
0: yes and through prayer yeah that asked a very good question how much should we give of our possessions? Well, you got to be practical, and God understands that. All right? uh, you can't give everything away. You mean, you know, if you need your car to get to work, uh, you know, that would make, you know, you got to use common sense. Common sense and prayer will help you to make that decision. And if you're truly interested in giving all of the unnecessary things that you have away, God will understand that, and accept your intentions. May not always accept what he, what you give away, uh, particularly if you give things that you don't like.
1: <clears throat> oh, I've
0: had that thing for years, and I don't like it. I'm going to give it away, and you know. <laughs> No, 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 no. That's not quite right. Your mind, your heart, should be your guide.
1: Right? Is that good? Yeah.
0: Your mind and your heart should be that guide. And God will honor that, regardless of how far it goes. Well, now, uh, to love the neighbor. If the
1: neighbor If the neighbor needs help, it's
0: okay to be late for mass or, or go to another mass time. <laughs> Even if you miss mass, it doesn't make any difference if you're helping somebody who really needs help. Yes, and you know there are no more masses because it's too late in the day. Don't worry about it. I had. I'll tell you a little example. I was up in. Uh, Arnold uh, had my daughter's little mountain cabin one time years ago with my grandchildren. And there was a holy day, I forget which one now. Uh, And the nearest church was uh, down in, um, hmm? no, uh, Angel's Camp. Yeah. Well, yes, years and years ago, right. Uh, So we drove 25 miles down there uh, to go to church because we were told there was a mass at, I don't know, 8 or 9 o'clock or whatever it was. When we got there, we found it was uh, 8 o'clock in the evening, not in the morning. (laughs) You know, so (laughs) I said, we can forget about it. We don't have to go back 25 miles more. No. No. And God will accept that. At least our intentions were good. A little mistaken, but good. Okay? Um, all right. Forgiveness. God is going to forgive any and all of us if we are truly sorry for the sins of the past. Let me give you uh, an example out of the Old Testament. It says, If a wicked man turns away from his sins, if he keeps all my statutes and does what is right and just, he shall surely live, he shall not die. In other words, if a person from within this area finally gets common sense and asks for forgiveness and gets back on this road, he's going to be forgiven. Uh, But if a person is over here in this part and says, oh, I'm tired of keeping all those rules and regulations, I'm going to do what I want, and goes into this area, all of the goodness that he may have done is going to be wiped out, and he is still in this area. The end of your life depends on where you go, where you are, and where you will go. So it's important here. (laughs) This wording is rather uh, long and... uh, somewhat unnecessary but it's it's important right, to understand that God is always ready to forgive as much as we hate to think about it this uh, young fellow that carried out this horrible killing of young school kids in Florida you know he's we all think I'm sure, that he deserves the death penalty and even that would probably be too good for him. But we cannot, in our minds, do that because the death penalty would take away from him the time and the ability to make restitution and come to his senses and ask for forgiveness. And if he did... God, with all sincerity if he did, God would forgive it. And we have a hard time sometimes accepting that. But nevertheless, the goodness of God is far above any and all of us. Yes, Julie? That for to judge somebody else. Well, that's true. Uh, we don't know all of the reasons for this fellow's doing what he did, and so we don't have the right to judge. No, that's true. Any other questions? I hope in a way that you're really getting something out of this, because it's important for us to see that at some point in time, our life will come to an end. And we should be asking ourselves, particularly during this time of Lent, am I doing what God wants of me? Am I fulfilling the role that He intends for me? And I think if you followed through with that, then you have no reason. I had somebody call me on the phone one time recently and said, Are you afraid of dying? And I thought, Well, gee, that's kind of a strange way to open up a conversation on the phone. <laughs> but I, I said, No, I'm not. And this person said, to me, Well, I am. And I said, Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I said, the only way I can help you is to say what is your relationship with Christ and if you have a solid relationship with Christ knowing him not just having you know a crucifix on on the wall and you're praying to that crucifix a crucifix is not going to do much for you it is what the crucifix represents. That's God himself. What is your relationship with God? So that's why I put the word relationship here because this road really represents your relationship. How much have you done? How well do you know Jesus Christ? And what are you doing about it? Your relationship with Christ will determine where you are at the time of death, where you're going. And it's something that we should constantly be thinking about, particularly during Lent. This whole 40 days is really for our benefit to sort of think about our relationship and make amends where necessary any questions well I hope you're understanding you're getting the idea here of progression of not just standing still in your faith but moving closer and closer to God through Christ that's what our life is all about. Why are you here on earth? Just recently, and I hate to kind of talk about myself, but um, just recently I got the idea of my children are all well taken care of. My grandchildren are all well taken care of. I have no responsibilities whatsoever so why am I here? In a way to serve God. No. In a way to serve God because he is the only one that I need to look forward to and want to walk with, the only reason that I'm here, since I am totally relieved of all earthly responsibilities. Yes? I ask that every day. You do? Yes. Good for you. Good for you. Every day, because I should have been gone at an early age, according to my family,
1: and here I am. And I ask that every day, why?
0: Good. I hope you're getting some good answers. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. It's it's a question that we should all be asking. What is what is you, Lord God, asking of us, and am I fulfilling that? Justin.
1: You need to share the wisdom God gave you.
0: (laughs) Well, I often wonder. (laughs) I often wonder that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm not so sure we should go on, but let me just take a quick look at the next section, <coughs> because... Uh, Supposing you uh, were uh, feeling up to par and you went to the doctor and uh, he or she did some examinations and tests and so forth and came come back and said, well, I'm really sorry to tell you, but um, you have a terminal illness. Uh, of course, after gulping and sort of digesting that bit of information, you might say, and I was with somebody when this actually happened, uh, you might say, well, then how long do I have? And usually the doctor will say uh, four to six months or something along those lines. Um What would you feel, or how would you feel then? I don't want to feel like a commentator. Well, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you feel about the rest of the play? Now, that's kind of silly. Uh, But those things do happen. So if it happened to you, what would you think? Are you prepared? First of all, have you made arrangements financially for your family, for your burial, those kinds of things. But secondly, and more importantly, what is your relationship with God? If you had to stand before him today or tomorrow, uh, what would you say if he asked you, who do you say that I am? That's important that we kind of think about that during this time. Lent should not be a morbid time of gloom and doom, etc., but a time really of serenity when we look back and think about what we've done, where we are, and where are we going. That's what it's all about. Any questions? Yes, Gene? Yes, you're right. Very true. Yes, I've also been with people who had that response or that information. Um, Gene just indicated that For people who are told that they have three to six months or four to six months, whatever it is, are really blessed in a way because they have time to make corrections and fulfill certain obligations and say goodbyes, et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, people who are killed in accidents uh, or uh, plane crashes or that kind of thing, or like in this shooting in the school where it is almost immediate and no time, uh, unfortunately they don't have the opportunity to do all of the necessary things. But while we are here, while we are strong and able, we should start thinking about those things. Are you prepared, not only for earthly things to say goodbye, but when the pearly gates open and you face Christ himself, are you prepared? Uh, Yes, that might be an easy way out, but... Unfortunately, uh, you don't want to leave more problems behind. No. Um, where I live now, of course, I hear those kinds of things almost every day, and um, it's important that you try to resolve uh, things before. Yeah, Uh, I've just been privileged to hear some very sad stories about how things ended and the family issues that arise uh, afterwards because they weren't resolved ahead of time. Yes,
1: yeah.
0: There's a real sad case where uh, a mother has uh, dementia to the point where she can't even feed herself. And apparently she comes from a very wealthy background and the two children are fighting over the estate. And unfortunately, they have become almost... Bitter enemies. You don't want that. No. I don't think anybody wants that. So take take care of those issues before you get to that mental stage or before the end comes. I highly recommend it. Uh, Any other questions? I hate to leave you so early uh, but to jump into the next section. Um, I don't have, I don't think that's right. Yes. Yes. Well wait wait don't don't put I think I think we've got a very important question here when is enough enough when it comes to giving and of course we hear that there is never an end to a need. There is always needs out there. Christ himself said, you'll always have the poor with you. One of the issues that is constantly going in our society today is there's not enough uh, homes that are cheap enough for the poor to afford. Uh, And that's the common... Problem, I think in every major city so when is enough enough that is something that you and God only can determine and I would suggest that you make the decision or give God a couple choices say I'm Lord I'm at this point in my decisions and I can go this way or this way or this way Uh, I would like to go this way, but you tell me which way you want me to go. And I think if you look at it that way, present the Lord with some alternatives and then tell him which ones you feel is the right way to go, and he will give you either peace or anxiety. Okay? And you will know, I think you will know in time which ones to follow. And that's the best I can tell you. I mean, I've done that myself when I've had choices to make. And I needed his direction for which one. And it always works. Give him what you think is the right way to go, but then if you feel peace about one of those choices, that's the way to go and forget the others.
1: Have you ever given you a, an additional choice?
0: Yes. No. <laughs> no is the answer. No is a choice.
1: It's also a good idea to, uh, you know, after praying about it and maybe consult a priest and ask for some advice. That's what happens when uh, my mother-in-law passed away uh, November so my wife and mother-in-law they went ahead of me they were there for two months so in the last two weeks I had to follow him and, 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 and and be and be with them come back here but my mother-in-law passed away so I asked one, one of the preach same roads father, Mother in law passed away. Should, should I go right now and deal and with, with them? And, well, how much will it cost you? At least maybe an additional 11 or 1200 bucks to change my schedule. So the priest said, check with your wife, see what she says, if it's okay with her. Don't change your schedule. You have done your part, your mother in law has been four years. You will only miss the tears and the flowers there. Let, let, let the siblings take
0: care of that. Yeah, yeah. So that's what yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah. Remember, intentions, your mind and your heart, yeah. should be able to rule your life. Um, but you got to even be careful there.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I checked with my wife. said, if it's okay with you, if I don't, if I don't change my schedule, she said, that's fine. We you can, we can handle it here, yeah.
0: yeah, I think just common sense in most cases helps. Yeah. but a little bit of uh, advice from someone else with authority or background does help. Yeah. Good. Any other? Co- I always
1: tell people to, to, to take care of your affairs. Before our end, before the end comes, you know, I, I learned that when I was an insurance agent for 17 years. I always tell them, "Take care of those things now while you're alive." <laughs> you can't do it from the grave. <laughs> you can't do
0: it from the grave. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Yes. All right. Any other questions? Right. Let's end then with a prayer. In the name of the Father, <laughs> the Son, of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Lord, we've touched on some very important issues today. We ask that you help us to think about them a little bit more and come to a conclusion. Most of the, or the most important question, of course, is who are you for us today? If you are the most important thing in life, everything will then follow into place. And that is what we're hoping for. So we ask your blessing on the choices that we have to make. We ask that your blessing be on all of us and our families. We just give you praise and thanksgiving and all things in Jesus' name.